We're going to continue to worship the Lord this morning with our gifts and tithes and offerings. And a quick update for you, uh, in case you didn't hear, we're getting the building in 14 days. You guys came up with $150,000, which as I'm telling people that, they're like, that's a miracle. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I, it was just a move of God. So it's incredible. We're, hope, we're going to be in there in April at some point. Um, I'm hoping for like real early in April, but for sure by the end. So I'll keep you updated. As soon as I find out a date, you will all know. Um, man, I, I'll tell everybody about the day we get in there. But here's what's really cool. So tomorrow, uh, actually I'll back up a little bit. So when Abraham, our missionary from India, was here this last summer, uh, I knew in my mind that we needed to be saving money for a building. I had no prospects or anything like that at the time, but I just knew that God had told us to start saving and getting ready for the building that he would provide. We've been praying and fasting for it. And Abraham's here, and like every year when he comes here and I have dinner with him before service, uh, you know, he just tells me all the stuff they're doing, and I just start crying. I'm like, here, take all of our money. You know, like, <laughs> it's so incredible what God's doing there in the nation of India through his ministry. And I really felt impressed. I was asking him, what are your biggest needs? And he said, one of our biggest needs right now is we need more bicycles for our pastors because they're spending six hours a day walking from village to village. And if we get them a bike, it cuts down on that travel time greatly. And so the Lord just told me, give them $10,000 and that'll buy them 100 bicycles. And I did the math and it saves them like 120 or 130,000 walking hours a year that allows them to preach the gospel more. And so that was chair money. Like I already knew in my mind how much it was going to cost for us to buy chairs and it was $10,000. I was buying the cheap chairs, but we were going to have chairs to sit on. And so I was like, Lord, that's our chair money, but you know what, you're telling us to do this, so we're going to be faithful and obedient to you and what you've called us to do. So we wrote the check, and uh, it was a really great moment for all of you that were there, and Abraham was crying, so that's always a good day. Well, tomorrow, uh, Jared Hoskins and I were running a U-Haul, and we're driving down to Portage, and we're picking up 350 chairs that were given to us. So, and these are way better chairs than we were going to buy. This is like $17,000 worth of chairs. And so this is the thing. When we're obedient to what God's called us to do, he's always so faithful to provide us with all of our needs. We don't always understand how. We don't understand why. We don't know all the details. But when we're obedient to what God's called us to do, he is always so faithful to provide us with everything that we need. So celebrate the chairs. I'll take some pictures, show you next week, because I'm jacked up about it. So Father, as we give to you, God, we thank you for our chairs and just the generosity that others have shown towards us. And Father, we pray that in these chairs, God, that there would be thousands of people that sit in these chairs that receive life, that receive hope, that receive healing and freedom from you. God, thank you for your provision for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. We are in our series called Luke Investigating Jesus. And how the book of Luke was written was there was a man named Theophilus, who was most likely a Roman governor of some sort, and he had become a Christian. For him to go public with his faith meant that he would have to give up his position, that he could actually be killed for this decision that he made, that he could lose all of his power and all of his influence. So what he does is he wants to make sure that all of these stories that he's heard about Jesus are actually true. 
He hires Luke, who's a Gentile physician, and says, I want you to go out, and I want you to talk to the people who saw the miracles. I want you to interview the people who were there, that heard teach, Jesus teach firsthand. So Luke goes out there, and he spends several years interviewing people, doing an investigative report of the life, the teachings, the miracles of Jesus, compiles it into the book of Luke, and then also the book of Acts, and then gives that to Theophilus so that he can read, and he can be sure of all of the things that he believes about Jesus. And that's something we all need to do as well. We've all heard all kinds of just crazy things about Jesus, right? Uh, that he helps those who help themselves. There's something about Jesus calling the kettle black. Or, you know, like there's just all of these things that we hear about Jesus. And there are some things that we hear about and we think, can that be right? Like did Jesus really chase people around with whips and beat them? That doesn't seem very Jesus-y from what I learned in my Sunday school felt board classes. So it's important for us, like Theophilus, to come to this place where we say, what is the truth about Jesus? What was his life? What were his teachings? What were the miracles? What was all this like? What was his heart? What was his character? What was the nature of Jesus? Because I want to make sure that everything that I'm believing about him is true. It hasn't been shaped by my culture. It hasn't been shaped by my family. It hasn't been shaped by my pastor. I want to know who Jesus is, and I want to know him more deeply. So that's what this whole series is about. It's Luke investigating Jesus, because we want to know the truth about Jesus. Now, last week, we talked about the angel Gabriel coming and visiting Mary, who was a teenage peasant girl engaged to Joseph. And uh, she's a virgin, and God says, good news, you're going to become pregnant, and you're going to give birth to the Savior who's going to atone for all of the sins of all of the world. He's going to save humanity. And she says, I have no idea how that's going to happen, but, Jesus, but God, I believe you, and let it happen to me according to your plans. Now, God's plan for her is going to mess up all of the plans that she already had. But she says, Jesus, you might be inconvenient to me, but I'm still going to choose to follow you because your plan is the plan that I ultimately want played out inside of my life. So now after she's had this angelic visitation, in Luke verses 39 through 40, it picks up. And it says, a few days later, this is after the visitation, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Now why would Mary, after having this visitation, hurry to the hill country of Judea to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. Well, if you're young, you're engaged, and you're a virgin who happens to be pregnant with God, uh, who's going to believe you? Nobody. Nobody is going to believe you. Except maybe her cousin Elizabeth, who also happens to be pregnant with a miracle baby that was a result of an angelic visitation. She knows that she knows the story because this happened several months before her that the angel appeared that Zechariah the husband was mute and that there's this miracle baby that's coming to her cousin who's too old to have children. So she says, "I'm going to go to my cousin because she's the only one maybe in the entire world that's going to believe what it is that God has said to me, believe in me and believe in what God is going to do through me." And every single one of us needs that. We all need someone who will believe in us and believe in what God is doing in us. Everybody in the whole world would think that Mary is crazy and they would think that she's a liar and that she's actually defaming God by her story of the angelic visitation and the virgin birth. Everybody. Except maybe Elizabeth. She needed someone who believed in her and believed in what God was doing through her. And that's something I needed. When we decided to plant this church, actually every major life decision I've made, aside from marrying Anna, most of my friends and some family and other people that are important to me have thought that I was crazy for doing it. And I've done some pretty stupid things in my life. 
But when it came to planning this church, I knew this was what we were supposed to do. But there was a lot of friends and a lot of family who weren't on board with coming over here to plant this church. There were a lot of pastors that I met over here that weren't on board with me coming over here to plant another church. And I needed some people that would believe in me. And that's what I had. And, and people like our, our close immediate family, our parents, uh, were super supportive. And Anna's parents were really supportive, and they were behind us. Uh, my pastor, Pastor Lee, he believed in us. He saw it in us. Pastor Mike Popenhagen from Radiant Church Jackson, he believed in what it was that God had called us to and what he was going to do in our lives. We needed people that would encourage us and support us through that. And you all need that in your life as well. God's plan for you isn't going to be the plan that everybody is going to rally around. The plan that God has for you isn't the one that all of your friends are going to encourage you in and support you in. The plan God has for your life is going to seem impossible and crazy to a lot of people, and they're not going to encourage you in that. They're going to discourage you from it. So you need to have a group of people who are going to come alongside of you and say, I believe in this crazy, impossible call of God in your life, and I believe in what God is going to do in you and through you. And that's why it's so important that you have some people in your life who will be there for you. And that's why we have groups here, small groups at Radiant Church. This is something we're really putting a lot of focus and energy into, is uh, we want to create a place where you can go in and there are other people who believe in you, they believe in God's call on your life, and they're going to encourage you, they're going to support you, they'll help you, they'll pray for you, uh, they'll be your biggest cheerleader and your biggest fan, and they'll also be people you can go to, you can ask questions, you can be real and honest about your doubts or even your fears. Um, that's, if you come here just on Sunday morning, that's great. We're glad that you're here, but you're only getting half of what you could get out of Radiant Church. You need to be a part of a small group where you can have other people who are going to believe in you because it's something that we all need. And if you ever have questions about what I'm talking about, you can't just raise your hand and be like, hey, Pastor Jeremy, like, what the heck are you talking about virgin birth? This isn't a great venue to do that, but if you have a group of people that you're meeting with, that's a great place for you to be able to ask questions about things. So um, at our information table, if you want to join a group, we have a sheet there that has the open groups right now. You can go to our website, radiantA2.com, but we all need someone who believes in us and believes in what God is going to do through us. So then Mary goes all the way to Elizabeth's house, and in verse 41 through 45, it says this, At the sound of Mary's greeting... Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. I love this. It says that the sound of Mary's voice... Elizabeth has no idea that Mary's coming. She can't just call or send a letter. She just walks 70 miles as a 12 or 13-year-old girl by herself, which broke every custom, every taboo that there was at the time. She goes 70 miles to see Elizabeth, and just at the sound of her voice, Elizabeth says, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Do you see the miracle that took place there? She calls Mary the mother of my Lord. So here's the question. How does she know that Mary's pregnant? I mean, this just she's only been pregnant for a couple days. She's not showing yet. It's not like you look at her and think, is she pregnant? Is she not? Like, there is nothing that would make you think that she is pregnant. But Elizabeth knows. How did she know that? Or how does she know that the baby in Mary's womb is the Lord? 
She says, the mother of my Lord. So she knows that she's pregnant, and she knows the baby that is inside of Mary is the one who is the Lord, is the Savior, is the promised Messiah, the one who's going to save all of humanity from their sins. How does Elizabeth know all of these things just from hearing Mary say, hey, Elizabeth, how's it going? And the answer to that is that the Holy Spirit revealed it to her. It said that at the sound of the greeting, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then she goes on to say all of these things. Now, if you took the Holy Spirit away from this interaction, how would that have gone? Completely different. It would have been, you know, Mary comes in, hey, Elizabeth, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm pregnant. And now Elizabeth is saying, oh, Mary, you and Joseph couldn't wait. Oh, well, are, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to do the right thing here? How, how are we going to make this right? No, no, Elizabeth, it's, it's not like that. It's not, no, it's not Joseph's baby. He's not the father. Oh, Mary, you hussy. Like, <laughs> no, no, it's not like that at all. I'm a virgin. You're going to need a lot better story than that, Mary. Like, there is not a person in the whole world that's going to believe this. No, it's the Holy Spirit causing me to conceive, and the baby inside of me is God. Mary, like, we all think our kids are special, but you're taking it to a whole nother level. That's just sacrilegious, honestly. You can't go around telling people that your baby is God. No, you don't understand. This is, it's the Savior is coming through human flesh. It's going to save all of the world from their sins. I'm a virgin. It's, it's a good, I'm okay, Elizabeth. You know, Elizabeth is in her thing like, wow, you need professional help. We need a med adjustment. Like something is wrong with Mary. But that's not how it went because you can't convince someone of a story like that, Right? Imagine if someone comes to you and tells you that story. You're never going to believe them. I went to a Christian school. There were a couple of girls that tried to convince parents of virgin birth. Uh, it, it, nobody believed them. We we're like, oh my gosh, are you seriously trying to pass this off? But because of the Holy Spirit coming upon Elizabeth and revealing it to her, Mary doesn't have to try to explain it to her. Mary doesn't have to try to, you know, prove the evidences of everything. There's no arguments, no apologetics, no proof that come along with it. The Holy Spirit came and revealed Jesus to Elizabeth. Mary didn't say a word. It was all complete revelation from the Holy Spirit. And just as the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. If you're here today and you're living as a disciple of Jesus, disciple is another word for an apprentice of Jesus. Uh, you're spending your life living uh, after him and wanting to become more like him and live out his plan and his will for your life. The reason that you came to that place of where you made that decision was because the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to you. You didn't become a Christian because of physical evidence. I mean, there's a lot of it. You can look at creation and you can say just the fine-tuning of the universe is such that it seems mathematically impossible for this to exist without divine intervention. It seems impossible for what we see to exist without a creator. There's physical evidence, but you weren't convinced of Jesus because of physical evidence. Uh, it wasn't because of apologetics. I love apologetics. I love listening to Ravi, and just a brilliant man, just, and so humble. I love, absolutely love Ravi. But it wasn't apologetics that convinced me to follow Jesus. It wasn't apologetics that convinced you to follow Jesus. It wasn't because of a persuasive argument that anyone made for you. 
You didn't decide to follow Jesus because you went to a camp or you went to a revival meeting or some pastor came up with this great message that just completely changed your life. It was none of those things. You are a Christian because the Holy Spirit came to you and opened your eyes and revealed who Jesus is to you. And that is the only reason. Now, God might have used evidence. He might have used the creation itself to stir something up inside of your heart and cause you to question things. There might have been apologetics or arguments. There might have been a really clever message or a camp that you went to when you were a kid that God really used mightily inside of your life. But none of those things convinced you to follow Jesus. They might have been used by God, but it was only through revelation from the Holy Spirit that you came to that place where you said, Jesus, you're God. And I need your forgiveness inside of my life. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life following after you with everything that's inside of me. That only comes from revelation from the Holy Spirit. So in light of this, it really should change the way that we do evangelism. It should change the way that we try to tell other people about Jesus and convince them that he is Lord and of the new life that they can find in him. I put a lot of time into preparing my messages every week. It might not seem that way, but I put a lot of time into doing this. This isn't easy for me to do. I can tell you goat stories all day long, but like that's just fluff, right? But to actually be able to come and to present the gospel to you and to, to teach you what the Bible says, that takes a lot of work, and I put hours into it. I'm writing things, and I'm throwing things away, and I'm starting over, and I'm scrapping things. I mean, I'm doing all of this because I want to present Jesus to you in the most clear and bold way that I possibly can. But after I get done, and even the whole way through as I'm, I'm preparing the message, working on it all the way up to when I'm coming up here on stage every Sunday morning, the number one thing that I do to prepare for a message is I pray, Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus? When I open my mouth to speak, even though people are hearing the voice of a man, a deeply flawed man, would they hear the words of their perfect father speaking to them? Holy Spirit, would you come and would you reveal Jesus to all of the people that gather in these high-back leather seats in Theater 12 of the Rave Cinema? Because if you don't come and do that, then everything else that we're doing, from teaching to worship to kids' ministry to coffee ministry, I guess we could call it that, all of that is for nothing. Because none of that can convince anyone of who Jesus is. But the Holy Spirit can come and convince you of who Jesus is without me ever saying a word. You know, Billy Graham, who's you know, one of the, the greats of our, our lifetime, he gets up there, and I love it because he's preached one message for 60 years. For 60 years, this guy has one message that he preaches. He just gets up there, and he just opens up to John 3.16, and he tells you that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, so whoever believes in him would have eternal life. He's not funny. He's not a great orator. Doesn't tell a single goat story that I've ever heard of. But when he says this, millions of people over the course of his ministry have said, oh my goodness, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus. Why is that? It's because every time Billy Graham gets up there and presents the simple message of God's love and God's plan for salvation, 
the Holy Spirit is moving in the hearts of all of those who are there, revealing Jesus to them. It isn't about Billy Graham. It's about the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. You know, we all want to make disciples, right? That's what we want to do. It's what Jesus told us to do. It's his last things. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven, and he says, make disciples of all the nations. Go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. This is what we are about as a church. Our mission statement, like every church in the whole world, is we're here to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So what's the way that we do that? Our vision is that we just want to create places where people can encounter the power and the presence of Jesus. We just want to create places on Sunday mornings and in our groups and in our kids' ministry where people can come in and the Holy Spirit speaks to them and reveals Jesus to them. Well, I grew up in church. I'm a fourth or fifth generation pastor. I'm the first one that's not a Methodist pastor, but like for four or five generations, if you trace back, there's a pastor. My parents, I mean, I grew up every Sunday, we were in church. You could be throwing up and like you'd sit there with the bucket in the church. Don't do that. Like if your kid's throwing up, don't affect everybody else. We're glad that you want to be here, but uh, sit with the bucket at home. But we were that family. We were there with the buckets. Like, we did not miss church. And, you know, I did not miss Sunday school. And we were reading the Bible. And we were praying at home. All of these things. I grew up at a Christian camp. So I was going to the camp meetings every night. And I believed in Jesus and his, you know, the plan of salvation my entire life. There was never a moment where I didn't believe in Jesus. But there was a moment where I didn't love Jesus. There was a moment where I hadn't surrendered my life to his plans and to his purposes for me. There was a time when I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I wasn't a disciple. I believed in Jesus, but the Holy Spirit hadn't yet revealed to me just who Jesus was and how great my need was for him and how incredible life would be following after him, that he had a plan and that he had a purpose for me. But I remember one day in high school so clearly, and it wasn't, there wasn't a message, there wasn't nothing going on. I was just walking in the woods and God just, I was, just revealed himself to me. The Holy Spirit came and revealed Jesus to me, and my life has never been the same since then. And I'm grateful for all of the people that invested in me and all of the things that they did. You know, for my kids, this is the plan that I have for them. I want my kids to love Jesus more than anything else in this world. And so every day we read the Bible. Uh, we have their little kids' Bible, and every day, like we just read through the 50 stories in one week, because my kids are always like, Daddy, let's read the Bible, because they love it. And Brielle just wants to hear the story of Saul every time, and Easton just wants to hear about David and Goliath. So I read those every day, and then we read other stuff as well. So I'm exposing them to Scripture, and, and they love the Bible, and I'm so happy about that. We pray together every day, breakfast, lunch, uh, dinner, and then before we go to bed, we all hop in the bed together, we're all cuddling, and we all pray together. I'm, I want them to love prayer and to be people of prayer. Every Sunday, we go to church together. Uh, we have conversations every day about Jesus. All the time, I'm, I'm wanting them to know his heart, his nature, his character, and Every day, I'm doing the best job that I can to model and demonstrate a life to them that is surrendered and living as a disciple of Jesus. But at best, the only thing that I can ever do is make little Pharisees. I might be able to make adherents of the Christian faith, but I can't make disciples of Jesus. So this is the most important thing that I do. They go to bed, and every night before I go to bed, I walk into each of their rooms and I get down on my knees and I put my hand on their head 
And I pray, Jesus, reveal yourself to Brielle. God, would she fall passionately in love with you? Would you open her eyes to see you, God, that, that she would be someone who more than anything else wants to follow after you and spend her life, regardless of what the, whatever circumstances might come, whatever hardships she might have to endure, but that she is a woman who loves you passionately and follows after you. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to my daughter. And I go into Eason's room and I do the same thing. And I get down and I place my hand on his head and I just pray that Jesus would become the Lord of their life because what the holy spirit does to reveal jesus is more than i could ever do i could never change their lives i could never make them little disciples i could never make them lovers of god and people who are going after him with everything inside of them that's something that only jesus can do so the number one thing that i do to help my kids in life to help make disciples of my children is i pray jesus be revealed to them in a way that changes their life forever. There's a young man here who uh, gave his life to Jesus, and I remember he came up and he talked to me one day, and he said, hey, what Bible verse can I use to convince my friends that Jesus is God? He's like, you know, we're getting in these arguments and debates about it, so what Bible verse can I show them that will convince them of who Jesus is? And so I asked him, I said, what Bible verse was it for you? He said, it wasn't one. I said, how did you become a Christian? God revealed himself to me. I said, exactly. That's how we all became Christians. God might have revealed himself through scripture, it might have revealed himself through a conversation, through a message, through whatever it might be, but ultimately it came down to the work of the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to you. And that's the same way that it's going to happen in your friends. Tell them of what it is that God's done in your life. Continue to do the best job you can of living and demonstrating a life of a disciple. Continue to present Jesus to them to the best of your ability. But more than anything else, get on your knees and pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal Jesus to your friends and that they would have that moment just like you did, just like Elizabeth did, where the Holy Spirit opens their eyes to see Jesus. How beautiful he is. How great he is and how desperately we need him. And when that happens, you will spend every moment of the rest of your life being a disciple of Jesus. You know, we have Easter coming up real soon. And this is the one day we always have the highest attendance we've ever had on Easter. This is the day that, you know, like every red-blooded American hops on Google and finds a church in their area that they can go to. This is the one day your friends, your family members, co-workers that you've been loving and that you've, you've been wanting them to come and to find the relationship with Jesus that you have. This is that day where we all invite them and we hope that the pastor is going to present Jesus so powerfully and so clearly that they're just going to give their heart to Jesus. And I'll tell you, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do everything that I can to prepare for Easter Sunday and I'm going to preach Jesus as boldly and as clearly as I humanly can. And I do want you to invite your friends. We'll make up little invite cards for you because hopefully we're going to be in our brand new building and it's going to be awesome. There'll be little angels floating around <laughs> in our sweet chairs that we're getting tomorrow. And we're going to say, invite one or two of your friends or family members that needs to know Jesus. We're going to do everything that we can to create a place where they can encounter him. But you know what you need to do more than anything else? Is you need to start praying now. Getting on your knees. God, my sister who's so far from you, 
Jesus, would, would you reveal yourself to her? God, as I invite her to come to Radiant Church on Easter, God, would there be receptiveness in her heart? Would there be openness so that she would come? God, start working on her heart now, preparing her to hear the message. Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to her in a life-shaking, just life-altering way where she cannot deny who you are, your presence, your goodness, where she falls instantly in love with you and wants to spend the rest of her life leaving everything else behind to come and take hold of that new life that is found in you, Jesus. That is the best possible thing that you can do. If you want to make disciples, if you want to see your friends, families, neighbors, co-workers come to Jesus, then that's where it starts, is getting on your knees and praying, Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus just like you did in my life? Would you do it in theirs? And you keep praying for them every single day until that day where they come to that place of where they follow Jesus. I prayed for my friend for over 20 years as he was doing every stupid thing a human possibly can do. But I never gave up because I knew that Jesus, who was revealed to me through the Holy Spirit when I was as messed up as anyone possibly could be, as in need of a Savior as anyone ever has been, the God who did that in me and transformed my life could do that in him. And he can do that in every other person. It might be that my grandpa, at the age of 90, one month before he died, had that revelation from the Holy Spirit of who Jesus was. Fight for your friends on your knees. Pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal Jesus to them. Because that's the only way it happens for any of us. And then Elizabeth, after having the revelation of who Jesus is, continuing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, she goes on to say this, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. See, Mary had a revelation from the Holy Spirit. The angel comes and says, you know, good news, you're going to be a virgin that gives birth to God. And she has a decision, like, okay, I have revelation now, but revelation isn't enough. There has to be some response on our part. And she says, okay, this is going to mess up the whole plan that I had for my life. This is going to cause hardships for me. I might be rejected and despised and thought of terribly by everybody else. But Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be obedient to what it is that you've revealed to me. And it's because of that obedience that she was blessed. Because she believed that God would do what it was that he said he would do. I compare that to Zechariah. When the angel comes and brings him revelation, he doesn't believe it. He doesn't act in obedience to that. So he loses the ability to speak until his son is born. But Mary says, Jesus, or he says, God, I'm your servant. Let it be unto me according to your plan. And that's the decision that we have to make every single day of our lives. Every one of us, we're receiving revelation from the Holy Spirit of who Jesus is, of what his plan for our life is, the things that he's called us to. But the revelation itself isn't enough. We have to respond in obedience to that. And when we're obedient, there is blessing that comes to us. So this is how we live a life filled with God's blessing. This is the application for you as you go home. Is number one, you need to hear from God. Keep putting yourself in a position to hear from God, to have revelation from the Holy Spirit. You know, that's why I continue to read my Bible every single day because I want more revelation of who Jesus is and what his plans and purposes are for my life. It's why I'm continuing to pray. I want to connect relationally with Jesus. I want more revelation of who he is as I connect with him relationally. It's why I worship every day. 
I'm throwing out my headphones at coffee shops, and I'm worshiping. I'm in my basement, playing it through speakers, worshiping, but just continually being in awe of who God is, ministering to him, and then letting him minister to me. It's why I go to church, because I want to keep putting myself in a place of where I'm and with a community of people and experiencing God move and reveal himself amongst us. It's why I have a group of people that I'm doing life with, like the small groups that we have. It's because you need people and encourage you. They're going to push you. They're going to spur you forward, and they'll even hold you accountable when you need accountability inside of your life. You need to continue to position yourself so that you can hear from God and have revelation from him. And then number two, you need to believe God. The things that he says to you, you, you don't be like Zechariah who doesn't believe it. Be like Mary who says, whatever that cost might be to me personally, I'm going to believe you, God. Whatever it is that you say, how impossible it might seem, how countercultural it might be, I'm going to believe what it is that you speak to me. And then number three is we have to act in obedience. It's like Mary who says, let it be according to me. She's obedient to the call of God on her life, to that plan for her life. Mary was obedient, and because of that, she was blessed. Now put yourself in Theophilus' places. We're closing this out. Just like us, he's reading this. For him, it's the first time he's got his manuscript back from Luke. And he's reading through this and seeing how the Holy Spirit brings this revelation. And he's having this awakening in his own mind of that. I might have commissioned Luke to do all of this research for me, to confirm the things that I'm believing, but the reason I believed in the first place was because the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to me. What is Jesus, or what is the Holy Spirit revealing to you about Jesus this morning? I believe that's what he does. It says that God, he sings songs of salvation over us. It says that he dances over us. It says in Revelation that he walks amongst the churches, that his presence is here. The Holy Spirit is opening our eyes to see him, opening our ears to hear him. Jesus is being revealed more and more every day of our lives. But we can't just have revelation. There has to be belief in what it is that's being revealed. And there has to be obedience in our lives to what he's spoken. And when we're obedient, we're blessed. So let's, let's close our eyes and let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful that you're the gift that was sent to us. You're our helper. You're our empowerer. You're the one that reveals all truth to us. You're the one who reveals Jesus. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us this morning? Holy Spirit, what is it that we need to believe? Holy Spirit, what is it that we need to do to be obedient? For some of you, it might be that the Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus to you in a new way this morning as your Savior. The one who loves you, the one who died on the cross for your sins, who rose from the grave 
sits at the right hand of the Father to live now and forevermore. And you see your need for his forgiveness in your life and you want that love that he has to give to you. You want that new life that Jesus has to give to you. And the Holy Spirit's revealing to you that you need to repent of your sins, of that old life that you were living, and that you need to fully pursue the new life that Jesus has called you to. And if that's you this morning, you just be so bold as to signal that, yeah, that's me. Just raise your hand and say, God, that's me. I want to make that decision to follow you. I need your forgiveness inside of my life. Thank you. For every single one of us, there's something that he's speaking to us. It's something maybe that we need to stop doing in our life to be obedient. Maybe it's something that we need to start doing to be obedient. Whatever that is, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And he's revealing Jesus. He's calling you to believe and to be obedient. And blessing will come. Father, this morning, we look to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing Jesus. Thank you for your continued revelation in our life. We want more of you. We want more of your plans and purposes. We want more love in our hearts for you. We want to be more obedient to your call on us. Jesus, we want to be a people who with every thought, with every action, are living a life that's pleasing to you, a life that knows you, God. Not that we just live knowing about you, but Jesus, we want to know you. We want to know your love and your affection. God, we want to be used mightily to see your kingdom advance through this earth. Jesus, this morning we surrender ourselves to you. Come and have your way amongst us. Make us your disciples. Make us like you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to call my prayer partners forward. They're just going to be right here in this middle section. And you know, every week we see God move miraculously in response to the prayers of his people. If you made that decision to follow Jesus, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you and encourage you and to resource you. Uh, if you need healing in your body, if you need wisdom for a decision you're making, whatever it might be, uh, come and let us pray for you. And as you're on your way out, uh, first of all, if you're new here today, thank you so much for being our guest. We know there's a lot of things you could have done, but you chose to be here with us, and we're so honored by that. We'd love to have you fill out one of our communication cards. You can get those at the information table. And uh, what happens is you get a free Radiant t-shirt as our way of saying thank you so much for being here with us today. And then this week I'll send you an email just welcoming you to Radiant Church and seeing if there's anything that we can do for you. Then also we have our Next Steps Engage uh, class today. If you've ever wanted to get involved in serving at Radiant Church and helping to make more space for more people to encounter the power and presence of Jesus, and then at 11.45 in our Next Steps room, we're just going to have a brief meeting where we'll just cast a little bit of vision, and then you'll get to meet the different ministry heads and hear about how you can serve on their team. And uh, it's just a real informal thing, first conversations. We'd love to have you come and be a part of that with us. If not, go out, drink some coffee, eat some snacks, make some friends, and we'll see you next week. God bless. <laughs>